Hey, hey, Cubs fans. Welcome to Cubs on Tap. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Mishler, with one of my other co-hosts here tonight, Justin. How you doing, Justin? Uh, great. It's always a good it's always a good day when the Cubs win and win big. You know, they look great tonight, especially against a really, really good Cleveland team. So it's a been a great day so far. I would agree, especially it was really tough to really gouge how the Cubs would look after four days rest. I mean, yes, it's a shortened season, but I mean, anytime there's four games or four days off in between games, it's pretty concerning, especially in baseball where you need a lot of rhythm in order to have results, especially after their last game being completely blown the doors off by the Royals. So it was really good to see the Cubs look very solid. Like you said, Justin, they looked, this was one of their better all around games of the season. And I guess against one of the better opponents they've seen all year. So I'm really encouraged by what I saw. And you can't really, you got to start with John Lester, another really quality start, put in six innings of work, only three hits, one and run, four Ks. I mean, he's looked as good as, honestly, anybody in baseball, really, if you're judging by his ERA, any um, starter in baseball for that is. He's got a 106 ERA. Yeah, he hasn't really gone that deep into games, but, I mean, that's really all you can ask for with John Lester at this point of his career. So many people wrote him off before this season, and I thought, I mean, I didn't. he can't keep this up. I mean, I expected him to have a good year just because at the end of the year last year, he ran out of gas. And at the beginning of the year, he was actually very good. So I think this sprint season sets up perfectly for his ability in 2020. So obviously, he's not going to keep up a 106 ERA. But I'm expecting big things from Lester this year. What about you, Justin? Yeah, and you, like you said last year, he ran out of gas. And it is important. I know six innings is, I mean, a regular season. You're like, all right, cool. Six innings is great. Um, and this season, you would like them to go a little bit longer because of the bullpen and issues and stuff like that. But at the same time, you don't want to overexert him early in the season, you know, as he's getting older and stuff like that. And he looks great. Um, he's starting to become, I know he was more of a, he could strike out, could be a little bit higher, but he's he's old, man. He's he's going to be, become a guy that's going to be pitching more to contact because he's, he's losing a little stuff and stuff like that. But, hey, if he, I'm not saying he's going to keep up this 106, like you said, but if he low twos or even mid twos, like 2.6, that's really good and a he- great comeback. I mean, even high twos. Yeah. He's damn near their third or fourth starter right now. I mean, if you're getting a a high two ERA from the guy in the third or fourth in your rotation, you're going to win a hell of a lot of games. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I like what you said about not stretching him out too far early in the season, and that could not be – you hit that nail on the head right there because that's the only reason why he would end up – running out of gas in a 60-game season. I mean, he's only penciled in to start 12 games max in the regular season. Maybe a little bit more, actually, if they were to go down to a four-man rotation and must-win games at the end of the year, but I doubt they do that, given their current record and the extended postseason. But, yeah, just 12 starts. I mean, he's already through three, so already through 25% of his starts of the year, so you really don't want to extend him too much and get him injured. Six innings is fine for Lester. I guess innings don't really matter, but he's around 90, 95 pitch count. I don't think he should be pitching more more than that really any game this season. So like you said, Justin, really like where he's at in terms of the pitch count and not wanting to extend him. So let's just get, get through all the pitching right now because we're on it. The next, I mean, this was as good the Cubs bullpen has looked really all year. And yeah, it was a pretty 
by no means a safe situation, but I mean, they use some guys that I don't know. I don't want to say I was surprised, but I think very highly of both Ryan Tapera and Colin Ray is a bit of an unknown still. He's only gotten two two appearances plus his um, appearance in the simulated game over the four day break. And in each single time, Reyes looked really good. So I was kind of surprised that both those guys were in just because I think both of them I'd put in the top five in the bullpen right now. So what were your thoughts on that, Justin? I mean, I like we talked about Ryan Tapera is a guy that you, you look at and you say, wow, this guy could be a crucial point of part of this bullpen for years to come. And then they Colin Ray comes in, throws two really great innings there at the end of the ball game, and you're like, wow, if these two guys can be consistent, this bullpen's not that big of an issue like we thought it was. Because if you get to Jeffress and you get to other guys like Roman Wick, you're looking like, all right, this bullpen can be better than we thought at the beginning of the year. Even with Kimbrell having struggles, it's not going to be as bad as we thought it would be. Because I there's, could, a, yeah, there's a lot I mean, of questions I, to ask. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Justin. I mean, I think the biggest problem of the the cut or the bullpen was at the beginning of the year was giving innings to guys that flat out should not be out there. Dylan Maples, James Norwood, two guys, for example, Rex Brothers, so to speak. So they don't have their top five actually isn't that bad. If you're going to run the numbers, you got Jeffress and Wick, who's your number one, number two, easily. Those two are kind of in a field of their own at this moment. And then you probably have the next tier would be Tapera, Rhea, and Sadler, if you're in my, if for me. And then after that, you kind of have Kyle Ryan would be in there, but he's actually started to look a little bit, a little bit skeptical lately. I'm so I'm a little skeptical of his ability. His velocity is way down, but I mean, I would put him in there right now. And then after that, I guess Kimbrell, which is sad given how much he's costing us. But I mean, Right now, his cost doesn't matter. It matters how much he's going to produce. So I, I do agree with what you said. Their top four, five, maybe six bullpen guys aren't bad. The problem is depth. Dwayne Underwood's been a big disappointment so far. I just I think after those first five guys, that there really there really isn't much. So I, I really agree with what you've said about on on the bullpen topic about them pretty being good at the the top. But before we get into the lineup and the position players, do you have any more thoughts on the pitching of the bullpen? I mean, at this rate of our starting pitching, and if, the, our, if you really look at it, if our starting pitcher continues this route, if Chatwood kind of has a, like, I wouldn't say goes back to what we saw in the first two games, goes back to a guy that we expected, not like a top-tier guy, but like what Lester is expected to be, more of like in the middle type of deal. If he goes back to that guy... You look at that rotation like, wow, this rotation might have a shot being the best in the league or one of the best in the National League. And it really propels us to the playoffs and push us farther than we thought we could be, though. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You, I mean, starting pitching is number one key in, in baseball. It's really not even close. And right now, the Cubs, I mean, as of like five days ago, they were like tied for first with the Reds. I haven't really checked much because the, the Cubs have been off for so long. But I mean, it's number one and number two in baseball right now. And I'm, you're going to have to expect some regression moving forward. Like you saw from Chatwood, he was world beater first two starts and then looked as bad as anybody in, in any starter in baseball is third. So you'd hope he's somewhere in the middle and you're not expecting his third outing for he to come. But And then you're going to expect some regression from both Lester and Mills just because Lester's getting a little older and Mills 
the more the more at bats teams see against him, the more used to his stuff they're going to get. So you're going to expect some regression there. But I mean, like you said, a one, two, three of Hendricks, Darvish, Lester. And then if your fourth starter is either Quintana, I hope they put him to the bullpen, but it could be Q, could be Mills, Chatwood, either of those four guys. I mean, it's tough when the Cubs are 11 and three and there's an extended or expanded playoff. It's really tough not to look towards the postseason at this moment. I know it's probably not the smartest thing to do, but I mean, 11 and three, they're but per fan graphs, their odds of making the playoffs is like the high 90s percent right now. They would have it would have to be a catastrophic collapse. So if you're going to have that four man rotation in the playoffs, that's as as good as anybody in baseball. I couldn't agree more. The starting pitching is carrying us. And I do think that the top of their lineup actually I mean, they they got four hits today. They're one through four hitters, I guess, five if you count Willie. But I do think that the first five batters in the lineup have kind of underperformed so far this year Chris Bryant obviously has and Rizzo had a good like start to his first four or five games but after that he's actually he's been in a big slump lately if you look at his numbers bias good tonight but has been honestly like league average so far in the year and we also expect a lot more from that from bias Schwarber's been down too. really the only guy from their first five that has been really good so far this year is Contreras. So like you said, the starting rotation is absolutely carrying this team. And it's really good to see that we're winning this many games. I I understand we've played a relatively soft schedule, but we have taken series against both the Reds and the Brewers. Yes, they're below 500 right now, but they're still formidable teams. And then just look very good against a good Cleveland Indians team. So I'm really liking that they're winning these games when their lineup or top of their lineup isn't really hitting that well. And that brings us to our next point. Once again, the bottom of the lineup hits very well for the Cubs. It's been the story pretty much all season long. Half at six, two hits, one RBI. Then Hayward with his coming out day today, three hits, four RBIs. Some really, really big two out hits from Hayward. So what did you think out of the lineup today, Justin? I mean, it's, it, and I'm going to pose the question back to you, but I really like that bottom half of that lineup. And the question I was going to pose to you is, do you think Hap should potentially, I'm not saying, I know it's a hard like jump to go from batting the middle of the lineup to, to leading off, but Hap has had some success at leading off. Would you potentially running him up there one or two games in the future? Yeah, I was actually talking to my dad about this about a week ago. It's tough because... I think it really just depends on how Ross understands their like mental approach. Like if I, I think Chris Bryant at his best is probably the best hitter in this lineup. Not probably. He is the best hitter mm-hmm. in this. So I mean, you have to expect at some point he's going to start figuring it out. So you don't wanna I mean he what, Bryant's in the what fifth year of his career. It's not like his confidence should be shattered if he goes from first to sixth in the lineup. So you'd hope he'd be able to figure it out but I mean I don't know I think what the Cubs are doing if the Cubs were like 500 I think you have to make that move but the Cubs are 11 and 3 I don't think you mess with the lineup I think your one through five should go unchanged the rest of the year with Bryant Rizzo Baez Schwarber and Contreras the only minor tinker I could see them doing at some point is moving Contreras to fourth and Schwarber to fifth but other than that those five I don't think should change unless the Cubs start losing some games I mean, which, which could start happening. Their schedule starts to get a lot tougher here. But after that, I think 
to answer your question, no, I don't think they should make the change. I did fumble around with that idea a lot, but I think Hap's seen the ball really well. I I hated that he was batting eighth and ninth. I will say that. I'm glad he's six right now. And then dropping Hayward down to seventh. I like I do really like Caratini hitting eighth or ninth because he's a high contact guy and can really turn the lineup over. I really like that. And I hate to say it, but I'm I, I'm really glad that Kipnis is getting a lot of at bats or not a lot. Kipnis was in the lineup today because he deserves more at bats. He had like a a 0.4 wins above replacement with only 18 plate appearances coming in today, and a 0.4 WAR was like good for fourth on the Cubs. Like that is unheard of. I don't know how that's even possible getting that much win shares with only 18 plate appearances. So he's proven that he needs to be in the lineup more. And it's not like you can permanently bench Horner because you can't just completely derail his development. He's better defensively than Kipnis, and he's a high-contact guy as well. So, But I do think it should be about a 50-50 split with Kipnis and Horner right now because Kipnis has been that good. What do you think about that between Horner and Kipnis, Justin? I would have to agree, and I think it's kind of surreal that Kipnis got the start first time we played Cleveland this year. I love that move by David Ross. Um, it's kind of like a lot of people have been saying on tour, a little bit, a little bit of revenge type of deal. Um, to say he still has it to his former team is just one step in a way, just to shove it in their face a little bit. But I do agree with you about the Horner thing. You don't want to bench him too long, knock his confidence. It's not like, and it, it, it could be different if there was if there was minor league baseball. You, I'm not saying send him down, but if he was were to sh- were to start struggling, you could send him down. And send down Triple A and see if you get it figured out, kind of like it would do with Hap. But since there's no minor league baseball, you don't really want to do it this year. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think 50-50 Kipnis Horner at second. Caratini needs more bats at the DH, I would think. And I think that needs to be more consistent because he's batting 286. He didn't have a hit tonight, but once again, hits will come with him. He just, I think he's just a gamer. He's a, he reminds me a lot of Anthony Rizzo when he's at the plate, really. I did, in my opinion, that's what he looks like. Yeah, I could see that because Rizzo is like he, Rizzo gets a different reputation because he's a big guy, but he's really not just a slugger. He's definitely a high contact guy. He's going to put together professional bats. And I would have to agree with you. Caratini doesn't draw as many walks, but he does put put together professional bats like you do. And he's a big dude, but he also doesn't really just slug. He's a really high contact guy. So that's a good comparison right there. But I do like what you're saying about. Definitely need to Carantini in the DH spot. I do think I like that they're not putting Schorber at DH. I think he needs to be your everyday left fielder because I think the DH spot should fluctuate between Contreras or Caratini, whoever's not catching, and then Kipnis if Horner's playing second. I really think that's really the only the three guys that should see the DH spot. Maybe Bodie. But I think Bodie's biggest value add right now has been defensively at second and third base. Whenever maybe you put Brian to left field, him play third, or when if Horner's struggling, put Bodie at second and then Kipnis at DH. But I really think the DH should between should be between the two catchers and Kipnis. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Kipnis, for just in general, his bat alone. Uh, but with Caratini, you could even. Like, if you, I know, I know it's mostly starting pitching, but if Caratini matches well with a better reliever and stuff like that, like Caratini does with Darvish and stuff like that, you always can flip-flop around and stuff like that if you wanted to, if you wanted to pinch hit for Contreras and Caratini to go to catcher, vice versa. Either way, you want to look at it. So it's better to have both catchers in the lineup 
and ready to go versus coming off the bench to hit and stuff like that. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point about having both catchers in the lineup as well. So, basically, I mean, what else? we got to we gotta touch more on Hayward. What do you think about Hayward's day? I thought I mean, it um, – no, go ahead. You go ahead. You, you get to share your thoughts first on this one, Justin. I mean, I think he's been having good at bats um, the last couple games and throughout the season. It's just like I know he was having that mechanic issue when we first got him in 2016, and that takes a – you know, in the year after that, it looked like it was working. But it's still it's still work in progress, you know, with three, three four tonight. Um, once again, I mean, he's a guy that I think, I know a lot of people expected him to be batting really a lot more on the upper, close to the 300. But once again, I think 260 is realistic for him. And honestly, if he bats 260, I'm happy because that, that gives you some value to it because you have to, he's not going to hit for power. He's more going to slap the ball around the, the whole field. And that's what he is really. He's going to have a whole couple home runs here and there, but if he's hitting 260 or even close to 270, I'm happy because that adds value to his bat. And it makes pitchers think and, like, actually figure out. He's not a guaranteed out anymore. That's yeah. what I like about him. I agree. That. Advocate for Hayward. I mean, I don't think he's been worth his contract, but he's been a lot more valuable than fans give him credit for. And he's still a, one of the better defensive right fielders. A lot of people don't talk about that. And I, I agree with what you said. He's – Proven to be, I like to go by more an OPS style than mm-hmm, average, yeah. but kind of the, it's the same concept. I like what you said about 260, 270. That's about an OPS. He's I, I, a league average OPS is about 750. So if you're going to get Hayward at about a 770, 775 OPS, it's just like getting a 270 average. I'm taking that all day of the week because that's slightly above average hitter who's one of the better defensive right fielders in the game. He's a good base runner. He's as good of a leader in the clubhouse as anybody. So, I mean, if you're getting that out of Hayward, that's as good as you're going to get because he's not – he does have a little bit of a hitch to his swing, so he's never going to be a great hitter. So, yes, I agree. Right around 770 OPS, I'm taking that to the bank every single day of the week. And I do like you said – like what you said about him having good at bats. I do think he's gotten a little robbed so far this year. If, whenever he does make quality contact, it has been kind of right at guys, and he has been seeing a good amount of pitches – and he, he took uh, um, his first RBI today. It was 3-2 count, just line drive right up the middle. So he is putting together professional bats. And really, I mean, he's been brutal before today, like let's, like his numbers were. He's been putting up good at-bats, like we've said, but his numbers were horrific. He had like a 40. He had a 40 wins or weighted or, yeah, weighted runs created plus before today which means he's 60% below league average, which is just horrific. And just off of today, he went from 40 to 85, which means he's only 15% below league average. So that's, with these small sample size, one big day can have that big of a dramatic effect. So like we've said, the top of the lineup really hasn't been that good lately, but once again, the bottom of the lineup is raking. Contreras has been ranking all year, and then so has Hap. It's good to see Hayward. And really, this lineup top to bottom I've said it almost every single podcast I've been on so far, Cubs on tap. Top to bottom, this lineup is leaps and bounds better than last year because you're not running out Albert Amora for at-bats a game. You're not running out the pitcher for at-bats a game, the DH helps him, obviously. You're not running out Daniel Descalso for at-bats a game. Those are three automatic outs last year, which is 33% of their lineup that they're no longer having to give plate appearances to. So 
I mean, people are shocked about the bottom of the lineup producing as much as it is. But, I mean, when you're subbing guys like Ian Happ for Almora and then Kipnis or Horner for Descalso and then a DH, which is Caratini or Contreras for your pitcher, like that is just, I mean, such an immense 180 from last year. And it's just really refreshing to see the bottom of the lineup produce the way it is. Do you have any more thoughts on that matter, Justin? And yeah, like this is what we said, like that bottom of that lineup takes care of a lot of problems the Cubs have to start the year last year. Like that whole team struggled to find any type of consistency at the beginning of the year, and that's why they started two and seven. Yeah, but, and that, I mean, if you can't turn the lineup over, you're not going to manufacture very many runs. So that's the biggest problem they had last year. All right, so we've talked enough about tonight's game. Cubs looked as good as they have all year against probably the best opponent they've faced all year, so that's good to see. But what about we're going to preview tomorrow. The Cubs got their work cut out for them. This is one of the probably the better pitching matchups of the day in baseball. You got Kyle Hendricks, 2-1 and one with a 3-5-4 ERA. He's had a, honestly been a little underachieved a little bit after that really, really good first outing he had, but still been Otherwise solid against Carlos Carrasco, who's one of the better pitchers in the game, 2-1, 2.5 ERA. Been one of the probably most undervalued pitchers in the game the last four or five years, if I'm going to be completely candid. Carrasco's an absolute beast. So what are, what are your thoughts heading into game two of this two-game series tomorrow, Justin? I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't, I'm not being hypocritical. I don't see the Cubs scoring seven runs like the end of the day. These cookies really good, like you've uh, – alluded to and he last time out he dominated i mean uh, well he didn't really dominate he had struck out eight pitch six i mean and but the previous starts before that his opening day he made the kansas city look really bad you know struck out 10 only allowed two runs um i don't know i feel like if the cubs can get to him early and get to that bullpen i think they have a better shot winning tomorrow's ball game you know but once again that top of that lineup has to become ready to go. They can't struggle like they did today, or they've been really struggling the last couple of days because Carrasco's a good pitcher. And I know to kind of like an Odom to the bottom of the line, we can't keep relying on that bottom of that lineup to keep picking us up. It yeah. has, that, that top has to start working some stuff out. I couldn't agree more. Against when the Cubs are going to start facing these these pitchers that are top of the rotation guys, one of the better pitchers in baseball. That's when the top of the lineup, the Javier Baez, Wilson Contreras, the Kyle Schwarber, the Rizzo, the Bryants of the world, that's when those guys need to start getting better. Because, I mean, you can, I mean, Hap is kind of an unknown just because he's still very young, but you can't really expect guys like Hayward, Caratini, and Kipnis and Horner to carry the lineup against guys that are top, like top 15, top 20 pitchers in the game. So I think you're really correct on that one. And I think you couldn't have been more correct on them also getting the the bullpen early. I think if Carrasco is going to go like seven, seven and a third or something like that, I think the Cubs are in for some trouble. I I think they should work some counts, see a lot of pitches and try to get him out in the six. I do like what you said there because, I mean, yeah, Carrasco is really good, but the 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 Indians lineup is as bad as anybody in baseball. Like it has been horrific so far this year. So as long as Hendricks can keep it like one or two, one or like give up one, maybe two runs. I don't know. I don't think this Cleveland lineup's going to knock around Hendricks whatsoever. And I know the Cubs bullpen isn't very good, but it looked pretty damn good tonight. That's probably in large part because the Indians lineup is pretty terrible. So, 
I mean, I'm not expecting them to score seven runs tomorrow, but even if they score just three, I mean, that could damn near be enough to win because we all know the Indians lineup has been very, very brutal so far this year. I mean, they have one of the best starting rotations in baseball and they're only like a game above 500. So that tells you all you need to know about their lineup. So I don't really have much really else to say about tomorrow's game, but I will ask you for one more thing, Justin, who's going to be your fly the W player of the game tomorrow? Uh, you know, I've used him before and I've used him a couple times. He hasn't really worked out yet, but I'm going to go back to the, one of my favorites. It's Rizzo. You know, we talked about how much Caratina really looks like him in the, when in the box when he's a gamer and stuff like that. I feel like he's just going to get back to basics and figure this out. He has to, and I feel like I'm going to go with him tomorrow, and I feel like he's going to break out tomorrow. Yeah, that's a good pick. He has actually sneaky been struggling lately. He hasn't really gotten much attention to it because he started off the year like unbelievably hot, but he's cooled off considerably. But I'm going to go the opposite. Instead of going for somebody cold, looking for a breakout game, similar to what Jason Hayward did tonight, I'm going to go with a guy that's been – I haven't rarely picked him for my fly the W player of the game. I don't really know why because he's been raking all year. But I'm going to go with Wilson Contreras. That's my guy. I'm thinking he score probably hits a home run tomorrow, gets a couple RBIs because he just continues to barrel up the baseball. His hard hit percentage this year – is one of the best in the MLB. It's, I believe it actually is the best. It's like mid-70s, which is un, unheard of. So whenever he makes contract, he's hitting it really, really hard, normally a double or a home run. He's kind of – he's taking like the Javi Baez approach, actually. He's either striking out, hitting a double, or a home run. Those are pretty much his three outcomes this year. And I'm not saying that a knock against him. He's struck out a decent amount, but his OPS is still over one. So he's been producing at a hell of a good clip this year. So I'm picking Willie Contreras. You're picking Anthony Rizzo. Is there anything else you want to say about tomorrow's game here, Justin? Uh, no, I'm all good to go. I agree. So really, only we're going to end it the only way we know. Go Cubs go. It's good to be 11-3. and three. Yeah, exactly. Go Cubs go. This is-